Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another Wednesday night edition of Talking Sports. Don Henderson here, and we've got a host of guests to talk to this evening. A lot of great sports news on the docket, and we'll get to all that in just a couple of moments. Roy Cummings is in Tampa, Florida. He'll join us first. 
Steve Casella will be number two. Trevor Bosco will be number three. Mike Zimzak will be number four. And Doug uh, will be down in uh, Baltimore, Washington. And he'll be number five, our PGA professional. A lot of golf to talk about at the end of the show tonight. Some quick headlines before we go down to Tampa and Roy Cummings. The Philadelphia Phillies played to a 7-7 tie. Looked like they had the game one in the eighth inning, but they gave up a two-run home run and a tying run in the ninth. The game was called at the end of uh, nine innings, as always, for exhibition baseball. And it wound up at 7-7. Unusual yesterday, there were four tied games yesterday. And all of them, of course, ended in – it's up to the two managers if they want to go on. But in nine times out of ten, they do not. The New York Mets won a game this afternoon, 3 nothing over the St. Louis Cardinals. Toronto beat Tampa 3-2. to And uh, the Baltimore Orioles had a big day with the bats today. Uh, they scored 12 runs, and they won down in Minnesota, uh, beating Minnesota by a score of 12-3. to So let's get down to Roy Cummings first of all. Roy, uh, your boy finally got signed. You got one guy for uh, – what, $20 million, $20 million and a, a, an option on the other year, three consecutive options. Bellinger signs yesterday with the Chicago Cubs once again. Yeah, uh, arguably, well, after Shohei Otani, I would say arguably the biggest uh, signing of the uh, offseason, uh, probably uh, the, the free agency period in baseball. And Cody Bellinger ended up where, uh, where certainly Cubs fans wanted him to be. I, you know, the, the market kind of dried up which was interesting how that happened. I, I think that was a bit of a surprise to a lot of people is how the market really kind of, kind of dried up. And, um, but uh, you could, you know, you could look around at other teams and see that they were, you know, making other moves. And I, here's the thing. I mean, Cody Bellager coming off of what? One great season for sure. Um, but prior to that, you know, two very difficult seasons. Uh, granted, he's a former uh, MVP. He's a former rookie of the year. Um, but he had a couple of real tough seasons there with L.A. before he went to Chicago, and so you could see why there was some hesitancy to sign him. Um, the deal he signed is uh, is starting to become not standard in Major League Baseball, but it's uh, a couple of other guys have signed similar deals where they uh, they basically, um, you know, maintain their ability to be free agents, kind of prove that they're uh, – they're better than the. They're at least as good as the season they're coming off of, and uh, so especially with Scott Boris. I mean, he's he's become kind of you know he, he's thrown out a, a few players out there on these you know two and three year deals with the uh, uh, the player opt out after the first and second year. So uh, I won't be surprised if we see more of that going forward. But uh, now you're looking at Blake Snell, see what happens with him, and uh, and we kind of get the ball rolling. Uh, that's pretty much the. And Jordan Montgomery as well, but um, still got a couple of other uh, free agents out there. But slowly but uh, surely, the uh, free agents are finding homes now. Yeah, Cody got three years, but he can opt out after each one. So it's not really a three-year contract. It's a deal that he and Boris worked out with his uh, uh, with the ball club, and we'll just have to wait and see what happens. You mentioned Blake Snell just a moment ago, a former uh, MVP, and, of course, pitch that we know well uh, right there in Tampa. You saw him many times. Roy, and of course, then went out to San Diego, MVP again, and uh, but he has yet to sign. He's looking. They said yesterday they thought he was going to sign with Boston. It didn't happen. It didn't happen with the New York Mets. They were trying to make a deal, but they haven't been able to get Boris down to the number they want. And you look at the other the other members of the free agent market. Uh, J.D. Martin out there, four-time Gold Glover, and he's standing on the sidelines. The player I can't believe is Matt Chapman. What a great third baseman, great player, played for Toronto, two-time All-Star 
a player and a, an outstanding player. Tim Anderson uh, did sign, and uh, left-hander uh, Jordan Montgomery, as you just mentioned uh, yesterday, he was going to go to the Red Sox, and that blew up last night, and he didn't sign with the Red Sox. So, fellas, we've got a lot of players out there with a lot of credentials, but, uh, Roger, they're not doing much signing. Well, one of the reasons is that uh, Scott Boris represents a number of them, and he's asking for too much money. And uh, he, th- he thinks they're uh, valued at more than, obviously, uh, what league teams do. But, uh, you know, I saw one article today that uh, the Phillies may make a blockbuster trade with the Astros. Uh, they would give up, uh, give up uh, you know, one of their uh, prized uh, prospects uh, for, uh, I forget the guy, I just saw it the, uh, this afternoon. It was, you know, I was coming from school and, um, but you know, Scott Boros, there's no doubt about it. I mean, he just, uh, has got to be the most powerful man in baseball. Uh, and then, uh, the nerve to ask, uh, you know, for a, uh, uh, you know, for an increase, uh, in, in time when contracts, uh, you know, it, it's ridiculous. I mean, I, I think he's bad for baseball, but you know, who am I? I'm, I'm a baseball traditionist. Well, let's go back to Tampa for a minute uh, because the other problem is that a lot of, you know, the race seems to say something crops up each and every year. And this year is very unusual. And Roy Franco uh, is so entwined now with this uh, legal matter uh, down in the Dominican. It's a matter of whether the guy who's an all-star, who's probably, the, if not the best player, the second best player on the race, and it doesn't look like he's going to be able to play at all, much less, uh, you know, get back for maybe half a season or something. It's going to be a long legal battle, looks like. Yeah, you're right. Uh, and, boy, what a what a sad story. Um, you know, and, look, this – this I I thought, you know, way back when, when the – when the Rays made the move with, um, uh, with, with Willie Adamas, I thought it was a mistake. And, and not that I could possibly, anyone could possibly foresee what has happened with Willie Adamas. Um, I'm sorry, with Wander Franco. But uh, you had two very, very good ball players there, two tremendous middle infielders, uh, both uh, exquisite defensively, both with uh, power bats, um, and just, you know, really rare talents. And I really thought, and, and, and under team control, and I thought that the smartest thing that the Rays could have done at that point was to hold on to Willie Adamas and Wander Franco, find a place for them both to play. We've always had the DH option. Uh, see if one can play second. We'll see if one can play third, possibly. See if anybody can play in the outfield. Keep those bats around and uh, just, you know, double down on, on that kind of talent. Um, they didn't do it, and now I think they're kind of paying a price for it. I and mean, they've got some options at shortstop, the Rays. They always do seem to come up with players, but look, this was the this was the crown jewel of this particular uh, edition of the Rays. This was the the player that they were building around. Uh, they didn't expect Randy Orozarena to be the player that he's become. Uh, they expected Wander Franco to to be the player that he was, and uh, and possibly still is. But uh, you know, my guess is we'll, we may never see Wander Franco in uh, in a Major League Baseball uniform again. And uh, again, I don't I don't feel sorry for the Rays for for what's happened. I mean, this is kind of it's, it's just what happens because. Of, but again, I think they could have protected themselves 
uh, at least against the loss of the talent by uh, by holding on to both Franco and uh, Adamas, and and now it's just, I mean, it's hard to make out what uh, what the Rays will be without him. Um, such an important bat to them. Uh, they're a team that always finds a way, no doubt about that. But um, at the end of the day, it's just uh, it's it's a tough situation that the Rays are in. And again, nobody could could have seen it coming, but uh, I think there was a way to. Uh, protected yourself against uh, this kind of a loss or any kind of a loss of Wander Franco, whether it was an injury or, or some other issue. And, uh, you know, uh, so, you know, this, uh, it's a tough spot for sure. And you're right. I, I'm not sure we're ever going to see him in a major league uniform again. And Roger, uh, we're now in a situation, even though you're down in Atlanta, we'll get to Atlanta situation in just a couple of seconds, but, uh, you know, it's now in a, really an entanglement between the violation from a sex offender to the fact that uh, they're saying he was transporting uh, illegal drugs uh, involved with a 14-year-old girl. It's not just a one-dimensional case. And he's also hooked up and has been hooked up in transporting judge for uh, drugs, I should say, for a carrier down there. So, boy, I'll tell you, I, I think it's going to be a long battle. Well, I agree with something like that, and it's expensive and widespread as it is. Uh, there's there's no doubt about it. I mean, but in my opinion, uh, a, a guy like him that has the potential and the opportunity to do something as stupid as he did uh, and not expecting to get caught sooner or later, and, I mean, just flipping over to uh, hockey, on a much uh, less lesser scale situation uh, with Carter Hart with a uh, sexual abuse, and uh, we you know don't expect to see him ever uh, playing the Flyers at least again. So you know these these uh, uh, situations now are getting more expensive. We saw them a lot in the NFL. Uh, you know, over not drugs necessarily, but you know, uh, sexual. But now it's uh, you know it's spread uh, to every part of our life, every uh, uh, every uh, league, every uh, uh, different uh, different sport. Roy, as we uh, delve forward, uh, what do you see the what do you see the Rays doing right now? I mean, they've got uh, and have made a minor trade for. for I guess you could call it more than a backup infielder, uh, but he'll be a little bit of an insurance policy from an infield standpoint a week ago. Uh, but other than that, uh, they've really got to come up with some ideas this year. Well, uh, they do. Uh, again, you know, they're, look, they are a deep team in the minor leagues, so so it's it's not like they're they're destitute here. I mean, they do have uh, Jose Caballero, uh, who, who played for him a little bit last year. Uh, you know, not a you know, not, he's not, certainly not going to hit for the average that Wander Franco did, uh, or for the power. But uh, you know, he's 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 an you know he's a he's a decent fill-in. Um, so you've got that, and uh, you know you've got a couple other pieces. Uh, they do have a, a fairly good bench. Uh, Ahmed Rosario is, you know, that's a that's a that's a darn good baseball player right there. I mean that that guy can he can carry you. Well, he can't carry you, but he can certainly you know, fill the void here. Um, so, and, and that's really what they're doing is they're just, at this point, they're just looking to fill the void. I mean, they're going to have to completely rethink uh, 
this approach, you know, and, and what they're going to do with this position, and uh, we'll see where it takes them. But uh, at least for now, I mean, I think they can. I think they can make it work. The problem is, is that it puts more pressure on other players to produce at a high level. Um, and, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see how that works out for them. But they, they do have some depth. Um, you know, another guy in the minors, uh, Junior Cannonero, but, uh, you know, again, but no, nobody measures up all in one piece to Wanda Franco. Um, and here's the interesting thing, guys, and I don't know if they want to do this, um, but, you know, you hear through the, uh, the grapevine, that uh, Willie Adamas is available through trade uh, from the Brewers. I think the Brewers would make a move there. Seems like the Brewers uh, decided to kind of, you know, maybe shuffle the, you know, reshuffle the deck there a little bit. Um, you know, Corbin Burns is gone. Uh, you know, obviously Craig Council's out of the manager's uh, spot. So uh, this could be a time when they decide to, to shuffle the deck a little bit. So if Tampa wants, uh, you know, they're going to have to give up a prospect or two, but, uh, they could get Willie Adamas back, and you could do a lot worse. Again, uh, tremendous defense, uh, power bat, uh, which they could use. Uh, won't get the batting average maybe that um, that you got from uh, Franco, but still I think uh, to me that, that sounds like a pretty good option, although they've already made the move for Rosario, so we'll see what happens. But uh, if you still want to stay young at that position and dynamic, uh, you could do a lot worse than Willie Adamas. Well, before we get off the baseball front, uh, Roger, you're in Atlanta now, but a lifelong Philadelphian. And uh, Phillies, by the way, are going to be on at 1 o'clock tomorrow on uh, Major League Baseball if uh, you're available. Even though I know you're teaching now, so you might not be able to see them. I felt <laughs> a little bit today. But I did see Yamamoto pitch today for the first time. A uh, young man, $200 million out of Japan. And uh, it was a, a strike between the Mets and uh, and uh, whether he's going to go to the Los Angeles Dodgers, the Dodgers were on this afternoon. So I'm pitching a couple of innings. It was funny because uh had great stuff. He only pitched a couple of innings and uh, had a great breaking ball, uh, pretty good fastball, used three pitches. He said on his interview after the game that he used three pitches during the course of the game. And uh, I don't know if either one of you two had a chance to see him. If you did, comment. Well, uh, go ahead, Roy. I did not, uh, but I did want to say, uh, talking about the Brewers, uh, you know, they signed Reese Hoskins, and uh, the uh, I saw that uh, Rob Thompson uh, was asked, I think by Howard Eskin, uh, whether the Phillies were a better team with Hoskins at first base and uh, Harper in right field than they are now, and he said, yes, they were. I thought that was yeah. very interesting. Yeah, Howard yeah, said that on the show last sure. week. Yeah, I, I did not see uh, uh, I did not see the game today, so I did not see the pitcher uh, throw. But uh, look, everything we hear is that uh, uh, this is an elite level uh, pitcher, and um, you know, look, it just seems for the most part that pitchers coming out of Japan uh, do a little bit better than uh, than the hitters coming out of Japan. Not exactly sure why that is. It just seems, it seems like most of the pitchers have a hard time, or the hitters rather, have a hard time catching up to the fastball. Um, and I think probably because they don't quite, not all the pitchers in uh, in Japan have that, that 98 plus, you know, heat coming. Uh, they have to be a little bit more crafty. Uh, but, and, and I think we'll, but, you know, this, this pitcher, it's a mix of all that. So he's, you know, the scouting report is, is glowing. Um, anxious to see him pitch when it really matters. Uh, the thing about spring training, it's very hard to 
to judge is that, uh, you know, everybody's working on something. You know, pitchers are trying to work on, uh, a lot of times trying to work on a new pitch. Uh, they're trying to, you know, just get themselves comfortable. It's it's very hard to really read anything into uh, any of the uh, the results you get. But, uh, you know, opportunity to see him throw is always exciting. I wish, I'd, I, wish I had seen it, but I hadn't. I didn't. Well, well, the fun thing about the game was at the end of the second inning, uh, I believe, I, I think he struck this uh, last batter out, if I'm not mistaken. But what he did was, <laughs> uh, what he did was, he turned around to walk back out towards second base, and his teammates in the dugout said, "Hey, there's three outs. We only give three outs in the major league." <laughs> and you don't, you don't normally see an Oriental player laugh or uh, smile at himself. But he he turned right toward the dugout, and his buddy from Japan was all over him, <laughs> not knowing there were three outs in the inning. But it was sort of funny, sort of funny to see. Well, you <laughs> know, I've got a question for both of you. Um, how is it that this situation uh, with the uh, Rays that it surfaces like at the beginning of spring training? How well, is it, it allowed but it, but it to didn't, go Roger. that far? Roger, it didn't. It, it surfaced last year. Willie Adamas okay. has been out. I'm sorry. Juan DeFranco has been, been off the race for, uh, I mean, he missed a good chunk of the uh, end of last season. Um, almost half the season. Roy, almost yeah, half. this goes back a year ago. Um, and they weren't able to, recently, to settle, obviously, during they the uh, offseason. They keep finding, uh, you know, <laughs> violations, laws that he broke. Uh, wow. you know, you've got the, you know, you've got the, uh, relationship with the 14 year old girl. You got the, uh, the payments to the mother. Um, you've got some possible, you know, trafficking going on now, some drug trafficking possibly. So, um, there's, there's just, it's, there's an awful lot there. There's, there's, a, but the, uh, the tip of the iceberg was exposed or seen, uh, last year, late, late last season. No question about it. The Rays certainly knew uh, all during the all season. They thought, uh, obviously, you, you always think he had two different lawyers. One lawyer uh, only stayed with him for like uh, five weeks or four weeks or so, a very short period of time, and he dropped out. Once the, the drug things came in, he dropped out because this is uh, one of the guys that was a, 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 some type of uh, official uh, down there uh, was also involved in the drug. So the it's really a big mix-up. We'll just have to wait and see where it goes from here. But tremendous loss. And he had just signed, uh, I, I, I'm not exactly sure the exact number. I think it was nine years uh, for almost $100 million, wasn't it, Roy? Oh, yeah. Yeah, he signed a big contract. And, uh, the, you know, the Rays went uh, went all in on uh, Wander Franco, and rightfully so. I mean, look, uh, when he when he first came up, uh, a bit of a struggle right out of the box for about a week and a half, maybe. But then uh, he, he got comfortable comfortable pretty quickly after that and uh, found his groove, and uh, he's been wowing people on the field ever since. Unfortunately, he, uh, he's, he's been a big disappointment off the field. So uh, it's, it's, again, horribly unfortunate uh, for everybody involved in this. Um, but it's just, you know, I'll tell you what, it, it's – you know, it lends some, you know, some uh, credence to, to the theory that you really have to kind of keep, after, you know, look after these guys and know everything that's going on in their lives. Before you, uh, I mean, you could also suggest that the Rays, you know, it's like before you signed them, I mean, uh, you know, they have, uh, clearly they had no hint of this, but perhaps they should have. 
Um, you know, mm-hmm. you, you can't, you know, micromanage these guys to, you know, to the point where you're investigating every aspect of their private life. But boy, oh boy, before you invest, uh, you know, uh, $300 million in a player, you might want to be careful about it. You might want to be sure of what you're investing in. And at the same time, uh, you know, they, they, uh, uh, this is not something that just cropped up over the last year. From all accounts, this young lady was been 13, I guess, at that time, 14 when the charges were, were levied. But, uh, well, enough of that story. Uh, that's all we can do is just talk about it and, and uh, hope that somebody comes along. Let's go to your bailiwick, the National Hockey League, because, Boy, are we having some fun right now in the National Hockey League. The Rangers are playing great. They just had a 10-game win streak broken, matched three times in the career, in the history of the Rangers that they won 10 in a row. Uh, then they wound up losing to a lesser team on Sunday night. But the uh, Rangers are red hot. The Islanders are backing their way out. They're now six points, I think, back of any kind of a playoff position. And uh, they're really struggling. So, Roy, uh, the Lightning, goes uh, with your observation on the Lightning first. Yeah, a weird week for the Lightning, really. Uh, at home for three games and uh, just looked horrible, horrible. Uh, outscored like you know what, eighteen to six or something. Just got just almost just embarrassed at home. Uh, but then they go on the road and they win a couple of big ones and uh, and then they get beat up last night uh, in Philadelphia. Which uh, right now that and there's no shame in that because not the way the Flyers are playing right now. Um, but uh, Tampa is. Uh, you know they're they're fortunate because they're in a in a conference that's uh, not too deep, and I think they're going to still be okay. I think they're going to be all right. I think they'll probably still make the playoffs. Obviously, there's a ways to go um, there, but uh, at the end of the day, I still think they're good enough to get there, despite what uh, some of the struggles that they've had uh, of late. Uh, but um, you know, uh, to me, the, the the story of the Eastern Conference, as much as the Rangers are a tremendous story, um, it, it's it's the Flyers. I mean, this team has uh, clearly outplayed expectations this year, and um, I, I think they're uh, quickly finding out that, uh, you know, the marriage with uh, with John Tortorella is, is really working out well. Uh, the players are buying in, as we've talked about before. They've lost their goaltender, as uh, Roger alluded to earlier, Carter Hart uh, out as a result of the uh, uh, sexual assault allegations against him and the other players from the World Junior Hockey Team from uh, several several years ago. But at the end of the day, you know, they they think that this kid Ursan can be a, uh, a number one as well. And they're trying to find out, and they're going to give him every opportunity to prove himself as a number one. And so far, he's doing the job, no doubt about it. So um, they are a tremendous story right now. And and so are the – in the other conference, so, so are the Oilers, who have played themselves back into a playoff spot. And, uh, you know, after uh, just a horrible start for them. So uh, a lot of interesting stuff going on, obviously, in the National Hockey League. It's uh, been a great season, and um, it's going gonna, it's gonna to come down to the wire for, for several teams, obviously. It's going to be interesting all the way through. Roger, we'll let you get the last question yeah. in for Roy. Uh, Billy Wardell is standing by, so we'll go to Billy after you get this uh, question out okay. of your mind. Well, I just, Roy, you know, uh, what, you had a great point about uh, what you have to do today as teams to monitor uh, the lifestyle of players and uh, a lot going on at the Combine, uh, and, and that's what a lot of the discussion is, uh, you know, uh, how they have to, con- uh, you know, investigate uh very deeply into uh, prospects 
before they they pull the uh, the cord because they just don't know. You know, things uh, surface uh, at the last minute or after uh, they drafted a player and. And here, and that's exactly uh, what we have, uh, you know, with uh, DeFranco. Yeah, it's look again. It's it's a fine line that has to be, um, you know, that has to be, uh, you know, written there. But um, at the end of the day, this, you know, it just it just likely means that you're going to see more attempts by teams to keep an eye on on players uh, off the field and what they're up to. And um, you know, again, it's you don't want to have to do it. But, again, before you invest a whole bunch of money in a guy, you better be sure of what's going on in his, uh, in his private life. Um, you know, uh, Bowers with the uh, – uh, Jake Bauer with the, uh, with the Dodgers several years ago. I mean, there's another example. You think you've got a guy and you think he's going to be part of your team for years to come and you're ready to pay him, uh, you know, a premium wage, and, uh, and then you find out there's something uh, – there's a skeleton in the closet. So – um, you know, financially, it doesn't hurt the teams, and I'll leave you guys with this. Financially, it doesn't hurt you because you've got insurance against this kind of thing. But uh, at the end of the day, um, when you build your, you know, your pitching staff around a guy, you build your team around a guy, uh, you build, you know, no matter the sport, you've got to be sure about what's going on, going on uh, in their private lives. So uh, kind of opens up a whole new, uh, you know, can of worms here for, uh, for teams that they've got to, uh, got to look after here. Yeah, Roy, thank you very much, as always, and uh, we'll get together week, next Roy. week. Thanks for having Billy me. Billy Wardell is on the, the line right now, the number one sportscaster in Philadelphia at this moment. Billy's got more awards and more travel miles. He's got more travel miles than the President of the United States. Billy Wardell, <laughs> welcome to the show once again. Let me do one other thing before I always let you give your pattern at the end of our conversation. Give your pattern at the beginning. And we'll do it at the end, too. If somebody has a pencil, they want to write it down, then that will see you anywhere around the world. WCAT 95.3 on the FM dial. WCAT 1520 on the AM dial. 95.3 WCAT.com, streaming worldwide. And you always can follow me on Twitter, the word Dell, W-E-R-N-D-L. Gentlemen, start your engines. Thank you. Really? And, and also uh, WBCB. Got it. Can't forget that. Yep. Billy, uh, you just heard the end of that conversation. Nobody knows the the players coming in better than you do or the players that are about to be moved in the National Football League. So let's start with football for a moment. And your observation is number one on the Eagles, and then we'll go to what you think the the combine is looking for. Well, Don, the Eagles are an interesting story right now. Can Howie Roseman and Nick Sirianni right the ship, get them back in the playoffs? They're in a weak division. I mean, Dallas is is Dallas. You don't know what the Giants are going to do if Daniel Jones comes back. The Commanders have a new coach, and they want to move forward. But the situation that really bothered me was a complete collapse down the stretch by the Philadelphia Eagles. And that was mind-boggling to me. And you look at it from an offense and defensive standpoint. I mean, defense is being called on the carpet, yes, but the offense also struggled as well. So, I mean, there's a lot of factors for the Howie Roseman and Nick Sirianni to address this offseason in free agency, trade, and the draft. 
And I don't think you put Humpty Dumpty back together again in one off season. Roger? Well, the question is, uh, can Jason uh, Jalen Hurts come back? And I think that's even the biggest uh, question. What What's your opinion about that, Bill? I think Jalen Hurts had a down year. He, he did not play to the capabilities he did the year before when he led the team to the Super Bowl. They unfortunately lost to Kansas City. I mean, he's still a good quarterback. I mean, he has a new offensive coordinator with Kellen Moore. I mean, now this is a very important year for Jalen Hurts. It's now time to uh, put up uh, numbers that you're capable of. I mean, a lot of people were dissecting the way he acted on the sidelines, the way he didn't pick up the blitzes. There was a lot of factors. But I'm going to say he leveled off or regressed to a certain extent, just like a hitter in baseball. He'll have an off here. You go back and adjust, he'll be fine. But it's very important for Jalen. He works very hard. But now the microscope is on him even more this year than it was two years ago coming into 2023. Uh, They thought he would continue to move up the ladder. He had a subpar year. Turned the ball over 21 times. But he still made some big plays for him. They were 10-1 and at one juncture. And the wheels came completely off the train. Billy, as we look ahead, uh, especially at the Eagles, uh, first of all, how do they stand against the cap? Number two, what do we look for in terms of what are they looking for at the scouting combine? And number three, who's going to exit because of too much money? They have to pay too much money for a particular player. Bye. Well, Kevin Byard, their safety they obtained from Tennessee during the season. I don't think he will be back. They're talking about Bradbury coming back, but he has a tremendous cap hit, I think, $17 million. Now, they got a break because they got real. The NFL increased the salary cap by $30 million. So they right. did uh, get a break in that area. So they have some flexibility now. But they have other contracts they got to address down the road. Devontae Smith, Landon Dickerson. Both those guys will be looking for big contracts after next year. Uh, the Eagles have to address those situations because both are very key components for the Philadelphia Eagles. At the, at the combine, they've got to look at cornerback, linebackers, safety, and offensive linemen. Remember, Lane Johnson and Jason Kelsey are getting a little long in the tooth, and they've got to replace those guys. So they've got to be looking at those four positions very, very close closely. Have to look at a another wide receiver to complement AJ Brown and Devontae Smith, and of course, what who's going to be the running back? Are they going to bring, bring uh, DeAndre Swift back? Are they going to look at another area? Remember, there's going to be a glut of running backs in the free agent market this year. I think I counted as many as seven guys: Derek Henry, Josh Jacobs. You could have uh, Eckler from the Chargers. There's going to be a glut. Saquon Barkley. There's going to be a glut of running backs on the market. So the Eagles have to determine how much they're going to play if they want to bring DeAndre Swift back, how much they're going to pay him, because they've never shown uh, the propensity to spend a lot of money on running backs. Roger? Well, that's a good point, because you're exactly right, and they've never uh, did much drafting of linebackers. 
And uh, you know, do you, is your in your opinion, will they sign Swift, or uh, and also, do you think that they will take a linebacker? I th- I was thinking like in the second round. Roger, two very good questions. I think Swift is probably their number one priority. I think they'll try to get something done with him. They know there's a uh, Swift agent. Those there's a glut of free agent running backs. I think they can work something out there. Will they take a linebacker in the second round? Strong possibility. One name's Peyton Wilson out of North Carolina State. Edrin Cooper out of Texas A&M are two guys that could be targeted by the Eagles in the second round. So they're the type of players that could come in. Jeremiah Trotter's son, who played at Clemson, is a possibility as well. So those three guys are possibilities in the second round for the Philadelphia Eagles. Billy, you touched on uh, where they stand for the cap. Uh, right now, the Eagles stand at $19 million, uh, and so do the Giants. Giants and, and uh, Eagles are exactly the same part in, the, in their division, in their, in their conference and division, whereas Washington is a grand slam. They've got $74 million for Quinn and the general manager to work with. So three teams within the conference itself have a lot of money to spend, and they have a lot of interest to get players to go to it. And you mentioned $74 million for the for the, uh, for the commanders. They've got right. to address the quarterback situation. That that was deplorable last couple of years. So they're picking number two. Do they take a kid like Jaden Daniels at number two? Or they go out and try to get a veteran like a Kirk Cousins in, in that area? I mean, Washington could be, you know, they have draft picks. They traded Montez Sweat. The Chicago, they have an, uh, an additional second-round pick. So Washington is in very good shape, and they could go from a tail-ender to a contender uh, exactly. for a playoff spot next year. So, I mean, if they make the right decisions, they could be in a very good position, uh, Donald. Roger? Well, the, uh, the you're right, and the question is, will they? Uh, you know, do they have well, the right people? Well, I think people? certainly with Daniel Snyder out of the picture. They've yeah. got new ownership with Joshua Harris, the Sixers owner, and also the Devils owner. There's a new attitude down in Washington. Of course, they're looking for a new stadium down there. So, I mean, there's a new attitude in Washington. And, they've they, they, again, the fans in Washington have been very frustrated during the Daniel Snyder administration. This guy had no right running a franchise, and he ran that franchise right in the ground. Billy, my last yeah. question to you is that, uh, you know, I'm a big Quinn fan. I was a Quinn fan when he was with Atlanta. I'm still a Quinn fan, even though he swung around to an offensive and defensive with the Dallas Cowboys and all the rest. But I, But the other thing, and I never disagree with you, but in this one I'm going to, I don't think that quarterback of Washington from North Carolina is that bad. If you give him a little support on the offensive line and give him a little time, he can run the ball, he can the throw John, the ball. No, he is not bad, but you, you have to ask yourself this question. Can he become a franchise quarterback? That's the big question. Do you think, Don Henderson, do you think Sam Howe can be a franchise quarterback in this league? I like him. I do. I got to say, I like him at North Carolina. Well, I like him. I'm not going to argue with you. 
And I'm, I'm going to tell you another thing that I really found very interesting. We'll uh, digress a little bit from football to baseball. I had Jim Cott on the air today, and Jim Cott was just inducted in the Baseball Hall of Fame. And he made such a great statement about how they prepare pitchers for the season. You know, the pitchers down in spring training are full bore right now. Back in the day, they worked their way up as far as speed and velocity and, and all that. Right. Today, right. they're throwing the ball 100 miles an hour in the first and second spring training game. Absolutely absurd. And they have ruined so many pitchers over the years. Look at the team down in your area, Tampa Bay. 44 pitchers last year, Don. 44. The 1963 Yankees used 13 pitchers. 13 (laughs) pitchers in all. So, I mean, you know, and Jim Cott took 25 years in the big leagues. His arm didn't fall off. But it and took a him a long time to get to the Hall of Fame, unjustified, to be honest with you. He should have been in the Hall of Fame way, way, way ago. before getting in last year. Well, let me get back to Roger uh, and uh, keep going, Roger. Well, we got to go to baseball. Anyway, we talk a little bit about the Phillies and so forth. Uh, Billy, uh, Roger, you pick it up. Well, the uh, the one thing that I was a good thing that the Phillies uh, didn't get any damage in that uh, collision where a car went into the back of the bus. You know, you hear about something like that, and uh, you worry that it could have been serious. But that was good news. And But that's a good point, Bill, about these pitchers. And uh, did you see the story today? They may make a deal with Houston and uh, give up one of their prized prospects. I did not see that. Are they going to give up the Crawford kid? They, well, it's the Crawford uh, kid or maybe Abel. Uh, somebody or I don't both. have a problem with Abel, but I do have a problem with Crawford. I do Crawford too. Crawford is an outstanding I, pitcher, and yeah. they're getting that. They're getting the the starting pitcher that gave them all kind of trouble in the World Series. Is that correct? Yeah, that's it. You're right. Yeah, yeah. I mean Crawford is a mistake if they do that. I do, I agree. Yeah, I agree. You, you know what? That's going to be another deal. Like Ron Ryan Sandberg, when he went to the Cubs and became a Hall of Famer, along you know, with Larry Boa, for along with Larry Boa, yeah, Larry took yeah. him to Larry took him to the World Series. Remember, he went to the Padres; they were up two games to nothing, and uh, right. when he was traded from the Phillies to Chicago, and as he said many times on this show, I kept telling him on the plane going out there, boys, it's not over, but it was over. <laughs> it was over for the Cubs; they lost three in a row. <laughs> hey, listen. Like the eighty-three said, "It's not over till it's over, Donnie." So it's over. Hey, you I, got that, that right, William. You got that right. Well, give us your evaluation of the Phillies right now if they don't make a, a major trade, and uh, it doesn't look like they're in the market for the two primary pitchers. One being the Red Sox, one being the Mets. Uh, we'll just have to wait to see if Boris brings down the price a little bit. But uh, how do you see the Phillies pitching staff? And, of course, their bullpen imploded again well, today I, when they were hit. They have five starters right now. I mean, right. Nola, Wheeler, uh, Suarez, uh, Tywan Walker, and, of course, uh, Sanchez. And you mentioned Abel. Is he a guy that's going to be able to step it up? I mean, they've got some other guys in the spring training they're going to take a look at. 
Uh, I think, you know, you, you have to kick the tires on, on deals. I mean, I heard the name Stanley Jansen as a possible uh, player in the in the bullpen. I'm not sold on Stanley Johnson. No, me neither. I, I, he's 36 years old. He scares the hell out of me. I mean, I, you know, I, I like to get the pitcher from Houston, but I don't want to give up Crawford. I mean, again, you're not going to be able to breeze through a season with five starters, especially the way they play the game today. So as hard as you can, as long as you can. Absolute stupidity. And these people yeah. that are running baseball today, these analytics people, that the owners should be embarrassed, absolutely embarrassed, to have these guys up there with their numbers saying, oh, you know, with spin rate, velocity is very important. No. The way a pitcher develops, he becomes a pitcher. There's been many throwers over the years. We can get back to many guys who just threw the ball hard. But in order to be a pitcher, you've got to think both sides of the plate, up up and down in the strike zone. But we don't have that today. You know, throw as hard as you can, as long as you can. And in the fifth or sixth inning, we'll pull you out of the game. Nobody has the idea of finishing a game today. Oh, no. No. no never. No. Never. Never. Mm-mm. You know, if I give you five, six innings, that's a quality start. Give me a break. Yeah. What is quality start for Bob Gibson or Don Drysdale or Sandy Koufax <laughs> or Whitey Ford? Come on. What are, we, what, are we, what are we selling the public? That's what bothers me the most. We're selling the yeah. public garbage, absolute garbage for these pitchers. And, and you look but around, you- no, he can't pitch. Go ahead. We, we see the we've seen Bob Boone's uh, play in Philadelphia. We've seen Aaron Boone's play now with the Yankees, and a little short note in in New York Post two days ago that uh, the Yankees are keeping the analytics, they're bringing some new people in, but they're not going to have they're going to have a guy now on the bench, on the bench, and uh, uh, helping the the, co- the coach for the coach for the. For the manager. Now we got a manager. We got a coach for the manager's coach. Now we're going to have an analytics man next to them, so he can tell them what to do. <laughs> so well, and, and this, is a, hot seat. Seat. this is a hot seat for Boone. He's got to win this year. Who won the World Series this year? Who do I think yeah. going? Oh, I, I don't won think the World Series last year in twenty twenty three. One of your guys that never it? uses analytics. Yeah. 2023, he came in, he said, look, to Chris Young, the general manager, I know this for a fact, numbers are important, I'll look at the numbers, but I'm going to manage from my gut. Do you think right. he would tolerate some jerk set, standing next to him with a computer saying, oh, Aaron, you got to do this, you got to do that? He'd get that computer and knock him over the head with it, all right? <laughs> Yeah. I mean, well, he, he, on, he didn't use any. Of the, he, he he may have used the information, but he never used them as an example of how he should manage a club. He, I mean, one, how many? What's the guys in the World Series? What are you talking about? Right. Who, who, who's Don, managed Don, the World Series point, more than he has? Aubrey Hutz made the greatest statement of all time concerning Bruce Bochy. We let a Hall of Fame manager go, and we hired Gabe Kaplan. Yeah, right. That's right. Said. Enough said. <laughs> right. He well, I, I that, think – go ahead, Bill. 
He ran that team right in the ground, Gabe Kapler. Right in the right. ground, sure like he did with the Phillies. To never sure get over did. the hump. Nope, you're, you're exactly right. general manager somewhere. You know, they love these guys who look at those numbers. Look at those numbers. Oh, look at those numbers. Well, a guy proved that you don't have to look at the numbers every two two seconds. I, I'd like to have been sitting there when that analytics man sat down with the Mets and said, well, you had a player last night that had two doubles and a triple, and you, you ought to sit him tonight because he, he's probably a little tired yeah. from running the bases. <laughs> now, how would you like to have been Showalter when that lunatic came in and told you something like that? Well, first of all, Showalter should have never let them in the office. And secondly, <laughs> he should have punched them right in the mouth. Right, right. right? But, you know, look, look, there's a great story about analytics when Tory managed the, uh, the Yankees. They, they came down with a lineup one day, and they said, have Jeter bat ninth. Derek Jeter batting ninth. <laughs> These Roger, you're up. belong in the Ringling Brothers Barnum and Bailey Circus. Yeah. Please, well, well, let's to get follow up on that. Bill, to what Don was saying about the Yankees having a guy on the bench, I think what they're going to do is bring back to life Mr. Rivets that was on Scott and the Mechanical Man, and they'll have him sitting uh, on the Channel bench. Channel 10, yes, I remember that. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's just unbelievable. I, I mean, I love the game of baseball, but I don't want to hear the velocity, you know, off the bat. I don't want to hear the velocity 99 miles an hour. I don't care about that. Can the guy right. pitch? Can the guy pitch? You know, and, and so many times they they lose sight of the fact you have to develop pitchers. you got to yeah. get through a growing phase. But they don't do that. It, you know, and also it filters down to the parents today. They send them these baseball camps. Go as hard as you can, hard as you can. Could you be in the big leagues or you get a scholarship to college? Parents are at fault, too. You're, Bill, you're exactly right. Uh, I've been to a number of uh, high school games uh, down here in the last uh, week and a half. And, uh, you know, we talked about it the other night because a friend of mine, well, we've had him on. Uh, his son's a really good pitcher. And uh, he had a, a serious um, uh, uh, health issue because he got hit flush in the eye back in May uh, by a 90 mile an hour uh, hit and uh, but he's recovered but the thing is they talk about okay well how many innings in JV can he pitch and how many innings in varsity can he pitch and this is exactly what we've talked about with all these travel leagues where a kid is yep. yeah he's got his limit in like Babe Ruth but then he's playing in a travel league, and it doesn't have any bearing on what he pitched in Babe Ruth League game. You're right. You're right, Roger. And it's unbelievable. I mean, uh, again, the parents are looking. My kid's going to be the next Jacob DeBron. My kid's going to be the next Zach Scherzer. Well, let the kid be a kid, and let the kid develop as a pitcher. He doesn't have to throw 90 miles an hour, 100 miles an hour. And that's the problem with the baseball scouting today. They're getting rid of so many great scouts and because they think it's cost-effective to have these analytics people. They have absolutely ruined the game of baseball. 
and they've ruined every other sport. They have you can, no board, you can put Boris right here with him, Billy. Boris has ruined yeah. it as much as they have. He, he sure well, has. Well, you know, I'm going to tell you something. Here's the problem with, 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 with the owners. The owners, he will not talk to a general manager when he has a big-time client. goes right to the owner. I'm a general manager. I'm going to say, wait a minute. Hold the phone. <laughs> I'm the general manager. You hired me to be the general manager. You're not negotiating with Scott Boris. Scott Boris has a way of having a team bid against themselves, and he's yeah. done it over and over again. Yeah, yeah, and that's well, why he's made the money. And I know these players have. Uh, well, what he's doing now with Harper, trying to get an extension. Because it was great at the time, but now he wants more. I hope they do not do anything with Harper's contract. Well, he's got eight years left on the contract. Look, Harper could have signed a contract like Cody Bellinger with somebody else. Uh, I think George Beeney would have had a problem with that contract. Yeah, uh, right. I mean, he had so many, he had so many outs in that contract. Harper could have signed the same type of contract. Four years, I can opt out. But Machado had a, a contract. He could opt out there for three years in San Diego. Uh, in San Diego. So, I mean, you well, put those opt-outs. Bellinger just, Bill Bellinger just did that in Chicago. He can opt out. He's got a three-year deal, but he can opt out at the end of the first year or the second year. Absolutely. No question about it. But that way the team you. isn't uh, locked in. I'm going to tell you another thing, guys. I'm going to tell you another thing right now. We're entering a very dangerous era in sports television especially. Because a lot of things are going to go to Peacock, Apple, Amazon. You're going to pay more money to watch sports. And mm-hmm. many of these cable outlets that have sports uh, networks in different cities, I think Bally's had 11 of their, of their uh, outlets have a bankruptcy problem. 11. Yeah, they did. Yeah. Major League Baseball had to jump in and save their bacon. I'm going to tell you something. We're in a very, very dangerous era right now. And I think the bubble could burst, and it could leave a lot of people in very, very tough financial straits. Well, Billy, I, I, I want to thank you. I want to thank you very much, Billy. Uh, it's always a pleasure to have you with us, and as I said at the top when you first came you on. You told Roger, you, Donald. I heard, Roger called me and said, Don hates having you on the radio. Just <laughs> <laughs> not like it at all. And Roger said, I don't know why. I said, well, that's Don, you know. He'll pat me on the back and then he'll throw me just, under just the give me, just give me your Just give me your call spiel so people can listen in all around the country and maybe they'll get some misinformation. Okay, WCHE 95.3 on the FM dial, WCHE 15.20 on the AM dial, 95.3 WCHE worldwide, and you always can follow me on Twitter, the Werndell, W-E-R-N-D-L. Gentlemen, have a great night. You too. Bill, you're always the best. Always the best. We have a great time. Whether I'm on your show or you're on ours, always great to have you on, and we'll do it again in a few weeks. Yeah. Thank you, Donnie. Take care. All right. Take care, Bill. Hey, Don, uh, let me just say one thing before we go any further. I want to go a shout-out. 
the uh, locally here, the North Forsyth uh, girls basketball team is now two wins away from the state championship in the top level. And uh, I went to, I've been to uh, games all last week, three games, in, including last night. And they played this uh, private school from uh, uh, Atlanta. There's one, one branch that's down by the airport, Woodward Academy, Woodward Academy, I'm sorry. And um, I got to tell you, this is the best girls, high school girls basketball team I have ever seen. I mean, the defense that they play, and they just, they are a team. Uh, they do have a couple of juniors that are definitely going to go to Division One, you know, after next year. Uh, one girl who's the center, 6'2", um, her name's uh, Lindy, Lindsay uh, uh, Pidger, uh, Pridger, Pridger. And uh, she's uh, really does a heck of a job. But I did want to give them a shout-out uh, locally and anybody in the Atlanta area, uh, you know, they're reading about it. They're going to be taking a long trip to play on Saturday almost at the Alabama border. And that's the uh, next the – next, if they win that game, they're in the state championship final, and who knows. But I just wanted to give them an, a, a shout-out. Okay, we got that one in. Steve Caselli's been waiting quite patiently on the line. No one, no one has his finger on the pulse of baseball like Steve Caselli. No, nobody. Now, were you one of the ones that gave Mr. Showalter that information about a player who had gotten a triple and two doubles to sit on the bench the next day because he may be tired? Were you in that group? No, actually, it was the, uh, as Buck told you, it was, a, it was the player that came to him. It wasn't a hypothetical. It was a, it was a real thing that a player came to him. And, uh, yeah, that, that's happened before. I mean, uh, you, you've seen guys that have amazing games, and then the next day they're on the bench, and everybody thinks it's the manager that made the call. But sometimes the player actually says, oh, I'm a little tired from running the bases and whatever. <laughs> it, 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 you know, but you, you guys know me and Buck are very, very, very <laughs> – or I should say, I'm a very much a big Buck fan. I don't, I'm not sure how much he thinks of me. <laughs> well, well let's, let's, we always start. Do. We always start somewhere else. But let's start with the local club. Let's start with Tampa because uh, the Rays right now mm-hmm. are are, uh, are in a quandary about their shortstop that may never play again, or may only not play this year, or whatever. How do you see the Rays getting around all these problems they have right now, off the field as well as on the field? Well, I have no comment on the uh, on the other situation. We we still don't know anything other than what one side has said, so I'm not going to even comment on that. Uh, it's not the, the, the Rays at shortstop. They're very deep. They're very stacked. It's not really an issue. Um, you can't replace the production that was there last year. Um, <clears throat> you know that that's like you know trying to replace a Trey Turner or Corey Seager or someone like that. But when you look at what the Rays do have, instead of saying, you know, let's look at the, what the Rays don't have, the Rays have got more bats than they know what to do with all over the diamond. And if you can get good defense at shortstop um, or in center field or, or a catcher, the three areas that I'm very big on, uh, you, can, you can go with a, with a softer bat at one position. Uh, Jose Caballeros uh, played second base last year in, in uh, Seattle because J.P. Crawford's at short. He's going to get the shot at shortstop. 
Uh, very good contact bat, doesn't strike out much. Stole 23 bases in 20, 26 attempts as a rookie, and he was burned out by the end of the year because he had been injured the previous three years and was really barely has many minor league experience. So that's what they're going to do. They're going to go with Jose Caballeros. And then they'll, they'll mix Alma Rosario in. They'll, they'll, they have a kid named Aslevis Basabi. Um, they can always move Curtis Mead over to shortstop. And they can also, you know, there's there's this kid who's the number three prospect in baseball that can play shortstop named Junior Caminero. You know, uh, hasn't played a lot of shortstop in the minors, but he's only 21 years old and he's he's played the position in the minors. So, you know, the Rays have got more bats than they know what to do with on the offensive side of the ball. For once, that's really not the concern for the Rays. I was going to say, that's just the opposite of all the years we talked. We always said, where are they going to run, get the runs from? <laughs> now they're going to get the runs. We'll see whether they get the pitching. I'll get back to that in a second. But let me get Roger in here for a question on some of the things he wants to talk about. Yeah, you know, a couple of things we talked about, uh, Steve. You know, there's a uh, one rumor about the Phillies making a deal for the uh, Houston pitcher and having to give up, uh, you know, one or two prospects, which I'm totally against especially if it's uh, Justin Crawford. But uh, I was just wondering, uh, you're down there. I'm sure you've been to some spring training games. Um, Mm -hmm. Any uh, team in particular that you have seen that really uh, impresses you that uh, could be a surprise team in the the, uh, season? Well, I haven't seen them personally, but the one team that I'm, I'm glad you asked that, the one team that I'm most interested in is San Diego. A lot of baseball pundits and a lot of people look at what a team loses from one year to the next. And then if you lose these players, you look to who did you sign to replace them. And San Diego didn't go out and sign a bunch of guys. They traded Juan Soto. They lost Michael Waka. They lost Blake Snell. Um, They lost Josh Hader. I mean, if you start, if you make a ledger of what the Padres lost, you would say this is a rebuilding team. And they're looking forward to a couple years from now, especially with the Dodgers and the Diamondbacks in that division. I tend to look at the team as a very talented team with Cronenworth and Awesome Kim and and uh, Fernando Tatis and Manny Machado and Xander Bogarts. And I say, okay, they've got the base of offense, and they've got some really exciting arms that they picked up from the Yankees to go along with Musgrove and Darvish, and they've got an outstanding bullpen. So let's kind of keep an eye on San Diego. The Everybody would think that they would be down this year and taking a step back, but I'm one that's thinking I'm a little bit intrigued. So let's just say that's my most intriguing team. Great. Nobody keeps stats better than you do. How about the two pitchers that have not been signed as yet, which is mm-hmm. a little bit of a surprise to me because so many so many teams need, you know, lead off. You know, even, even if you don't say they're number one, you, you come off as a Cy Young year, you should be considered a number one. But even if you don't even consider them a number one, where do you go? I mean, I can't believe they're not being signed. Well, well, it's just, you know, let's not get crazy on the Cy Young. Rick Porcello won a Cy Young, and he wasn't a sought-after pitcher later in his career. Even the next couple of years, he wasn't that good. Um, Blake Snell, I could, tell, I could tell you why Blake Snell and Jordan Montgomery haven't been signed. It's pretty obvious. Why on the earth would you sign a guy that's 31 years old, start with Blake Snell, that's only got two, two, two to two years of 160 innings or more, Basically, is a 130 to 135 inning pitcher. Last year, he, he, I think he led the National League or all of baseball in walks for nine innings. Um, he's got a spotted record. He has a Cy Young in Tampa Bay, then two kind of subpar injured years in San Diego. 
then the Cy Young in San Diego, and the two years prior to winning the Cy in Tampa Bay, same thing, 22-23 starts, IL stints, and and very uh, production. So you look at Blake Snell, and, yeah, you know, if you want to buy a Cy Young, it's the dumbest thing you could do if you're a team and say, hey, I'll give you seven years, $175 million, because you have a couple Cy Young. Well, no, he's 30, 30, 31 years old. You don't want that dead money and that risk on your books. Similarly, right. you don't want to pay Jordan Montgomery based on what he did in the playoffs. you got to look at his full body of work, turning the corner of age 30, 31, you know, maybe give him a couple more years of that playoff type experience. What you're buying is a playoff experience. And I don't blame Boris for trying to get it, you know, but both of those guys have had what I call warts and I'm not signing them to long-term deals. Their agents holding out for long-term deals. And now you're going to start seeing the guys. Okay. We'll do the same thing that uh, Bellinger did. Another guy that's got a very spotted history that I don't buy into last year and give him seven years. Um, you know, they just did the same thing that they did with Marcus Stroman, who came off a pretty good year and did the same contract, basically three years with an opt-out after the first and second year and with a little bit higher salary in the first two years. That's what he did with the Cubs. <clears throat> but, yeah, these these pitchers, you know, <laughs> when you're dealing with Scott Boris, he knows he has a short-term deal in the bag all the way into March. So he's going to hold out for the long-term deal. You would think if you were going to risk some money, it would be a team like the Giants who need pitching. Um, and the Rangers that need pitching, especially with Scherzer and DeGrom both being out. Uh, well, they said the Red Sox months. yesterday. They thought the Red Sox were going to make a move. Uh, Boston might make a move, but that's not going to move there. If I was Boston, I would just follow the path to draw and try to get rid of, uh, you know, uh, Cam- Kenley Jansen and try to move off Chris Martin and try to flip that team over between this year and next. And, you know, if you get lucky with a couple of your young kids, if Brian Bellow makes a step forward, and uh, a few other guys can make the step forward in that rotation and the offense can produce, well, we'll see what we got around the trade deadline. But I'm not going uh, to hamstring myself with seven-year deals to Blake Snell and Jordan Montgomery. Uh, you know, maybe a three-year deal, um, maybe four, but that's about it. That, that would take you to your 34-, 35-year season for a pitcher. And unless you there, – there's very few pitchers after age 35 that have really – Wow does. Steve Cassell, our guest this uh, segment of the program. And, Steve, it's always a pleasure. And, Roger, you're up. Well, Steve, I'll tell you, I'm with you about those long-term contracts. And uh, when we were talking about Cody Bellinger, uh, he got after one year, like Don said, one year and uh, two years and three years, he can opt out. So uh, mm-hmm. I like deal. those deals. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, – yeah. I think, uh, you know, if you produce, you want out, that's fine. Uh, but then the team doesn't uh, isn't liable for a lot of money on the long term. And uh, right. I, I just – I like those deals. Well, just to interrupt again about long-term deals, like this Cody Bellinger is not the example to use as somebody that got this deal. We can go back a couple years to Carlos Correa signing a one-year deal with the Twins with an opt-out and then took the opt-out, and then, of course, he went through the sign with San Francisco to the huge deal, but then he had the failed physical. The Mets were interested, but the physical issue, and then he signed the long-term deal with the Twins. But if you remember, his first deal with the Twins was a a two-year or three-year deal with an opt-out after the first year. He did very well, and he opted out, and he landed the big contract. So, you know, if you're going to have dead money on your books, you probably want to have it on a (laughs) – uh, a more successful, you know, guy that has a lineage of producing every year. As you guys know, in Philly, you got Trey Turner, 
and Bryce Harper. When they're 38, 39, you might have some dead money on the books, but you're probably going to get good production from them through most of the contract. Steve, you don't always get around to the Mets and the Yankees when I'm talking to you, and uh, let's go to the Mets first. Uh, Cohen has said he's not going to go uh, dipping in there. Of course, they're right up against, they're up against the, not only the cap, but they're way over the cap still, <laughs> and so are the Yankees. Uh, I don't know how the Yankees could sign anybody else, but uh, two two-fold question. What do you think, and how do you think the Yankees and Mets stand right now? And number two, is Boone, is Boone have to win this year to stay? Yeah, I keep saying that Boone is on the hot seat, you know, and, and you guys know from talking to me for years, I, I generally don't blame managers unless there's an issue in the dugout with the players not performing and just and doing something that's just, you know, doesn't look good. You know, you can see right. sometimes when a manager loses control. I, know, I don't know how to say it. It's like, you know, what's pornography? I know it when I see it. You know, what's a bad manager? You know it when you see it. That's the best I can say. But, uh, yeah, you would think uh, – it, it's going to come down for the Yankees. It comes down to the health of that starting staff. Say Garrett Coles is normal. Uh, talk about a big contract. We have a very interesting contract with him at the end of the year, if you guys want to talk about that. But uh, he, uh, say you get your normal 200 innings out of Garrett Cole. Well, you need Carlos Rodon to bounce back. You talk about a long-term contract based on one healthy season. Uh, there's Carlos Rodon, and that probably scared a lot of people off of a Blake Snell. Um <clears throat> You got Carlos Rodon. You got Nestor Cortez, who was injured almost all of last year. You know, so and you know they signed uh, Marcus Stroman, who also the last two years has spent time on the IL. And then the young kid Clark Schmidt is very talented, but I think he needs an opportunity. Now the key to all that is if you start losing guys, you know, if you start losing those pitchers, you're in a lot of trouble. There's not a lot of minor league depth coming up. They're a team on a short-term deal that would look good for George, uh, Blake Snell you know, to fill one of those roles to give a little more depth uh, to everything. Uh, but that's all Can I afford them? the offense. Yeah, <laughs> I see the Yankees offense with Soto and uh, uh, the kid Verdugo from Boston with Aaron Judge, uh, with a healthy John Carlos Stanton, which is also another variable. Uh, last year, guys, if you want to, if you guys remember uh, the disaster that was Anthony Rizzo with the con- con- concussion syndrome that he didn't know he had, I was at Tropicana Field. I remember telling a friend of mine, I said, this is not normal. He looks horrible. He reminded me of a guy named Andre Thornton when I watched him when he was like 40 years old. And it was really sad to watch, you know, or watching, <laughs> you know, watching Ali uh, against the ropes against uh, Larry Holmes. And it was sad, you know, it was one of those, I couldn't believe what I was seeing uh, Rizzo right. so bad. And then it turned out he had the concussion issue. He's a damn good hitter, as we all know. You know, so if you get Rizzo turned back around, you got Glaber Torres, you've got Volpe, and you've got uh, D.J. LeMayhew, you've got a really nice offense, and the key is going to be staying healthy. The Mets are already dealing with health issues. I mean, how do we – I mean, again, you know, last year was Verlander, Quintana, and uh, and Scherzer all got dinged up and banged up, and this year they've already lost Kota Senga, who gave them 160 innings last year. Who knows when he's going to get back. Now their opening day pitcher is, is, is Jose Quintana this year. So – uh, they've got a lot – they're in a little bit of a quandary. You know, they got the Pete Alonzo free agency coming up. Now, there's a guy that's going to get paid. He has a track record of success and, you know, very, very attractive free agent coming up. Uh, but they got a lot of questions they need to answer. The good thing about the Mets is they afforded prospects and they're ready to turn over uh, to the Brett Beatys and the Francisco Alvarez's and a few other guys 
they're ready to give them the opportunity. So that could be a team in the National League that could surprise. A lot of people focus on what they lost and what they don't have, but they do have some very exciting kids. Roger? Yeah, the, uh, that's, that's good to uh, know because uh, uh, you're right. I, I mean, in, uh, the pitchers, like uh, you're talking to Bill Warndell, the Phillies have five starters. But the thing is, are those five starters going to last through the season? I mean, you know, Nolan Wheeler uh, do a pretty good job, and Suarez mm-hmm. he was hurt last mm-hmm. year. But you just don't know. I mean, that because it's yeah. like Bill said, uh, you throw as hard as you can for as long as you can, and then the arm goes. Yeah. Yeah, the Phillies, to me, are another very interesting team. I like the offense. I like the, the nine. I like, the, I like the, the, the position players and the DH. I think that's pretty good. I am a little concerned about the depth on the bench. You know, Whit Merrifield can go in and alleviate some of that. But I look out there, I see Michael A. Taylor, I see Aunt, I see Adam Duvall, and I see Michael A. Taylor, and I say that that's a perfect bench player for the Phillies. In the rotation, you can, you can push Christopher Sanchez into the bullpen and go with the Blake Snell if you can get him on a short-term deal. Or, more fittingly to me, because he's more durable, would be a Jordan Montgomery on one of those short-term deals, pushing Sanchez back into depth. I do like Christopher Sanchez, you know, former Ray uh, prospect that was dealt for Curtis Mead into a nice little arm there. But, like, like when I look at the Phillies, I say they're one bench piece away uh, that I think would provide a little more depth than what they have. And I also think they're one starting pitcher for, for depth. I'm not sure. Uh, can you guys uh, let me know, because this is in the back of my mind, is Mick Abel with you guys or is he gone? No, no. he uh, He's there. Okay, uh, okay, and he's on the uh, the I think he's on the roster, uh, but uh, he uh, he's been in spring training, yeah, and that's the one that uh, if anything happened to the uh, starters, uh, you know he's okay. probably the first one up. Okay, yeah, I wasn't sure. I know his star had fallen a little bit, and I kind of lost track of him. Right, I wasn't sure what his situation was. I know there was another guy that that went down with the TJ last year. Um, I'm trying to remember his name. I yeah, thought you guys had that, one more. Yeah, he's he's out uh, all year. He's the superstar. Okay, okay. they're looking at him at. Uh, you talking about Peter? Time. Who? Painter? Who, who are we yeah, talking Painter. about? Yeah, Painter. Yeah, you're. That's, yeah, that's who it is. A- Andrew yeah. Painter, right? Andrew Painter. Yeah, and uh, okay. they're I thought that's who you're talking about. Yeah, that. Yeah. What they're looking it's at Peyton. is uh, Steve that this time next year he will be in the starting rotation. That's a, right. that's why he had the uh, surgery, the Tommy John, but they are not going to uh, be using him at all this year unless, for yeah. instance, a miracle happens. Steve, last well, like question before we end this segment. Uh, did yeah. you have a chance to see Yamamoto this afternoon and a couple of easy pitch for the Dodgers? I saw the highlights. Outstanding. I mean, I think we can all go to use the word electric. And until until I hear somebody else describe him other way, other in any other way, we'll just say the guy's electric. He really does look uh, look fantastic. Did you get a kick out when he <laughs> he recorded the third out of the inning? He didn't realize it was three outs and turned his back and was walking <laughs> back, and the bench sort of got all over him. I, well, I thought that was you don't usually see uh, Asian players smile and laugh. He had a laugh at himself. I thought that was great. Yeah, he's a fan. He's a fantastic pitcher. Um, you know, uh, one of the one of the rare run, one of the rare uh, fireballers 
that's come over uh, from Japan. I mean, there's Otani, of course, but uh, this guy is something special. And the guy behind him, Roki Sasaki, is the next one in line that's just absolutely electric as well. So uh, good times to be a Japanese uh, hurler. <laughs> well, Steve, thank you very much again. As always, we'll get you in a few weeks as the season gets underway and have you evaluate these teams for us and see who you think is going to move up or who's going to move down until we see a little more of spring training. But thank you very, very much. Steve, we always appreciate it. You're the best. Take care. All right, thank you, guys. Bye-bye. Trevor Basso is on the line right now. We're going to switch back to football. It's not football season in the National Football League. But it is football season in the USL and it's gonna, FL, and it's going to be getting soon underway quite soon. So, uh, Trevor, give us an idea where where the league stands right now, and who do you have on there with you? I uh, definitely have a lot to talk about in a sense of training camp kicked off. I believe it was three days ago. Um, everyone looks really good, ready to go. Uh, Under Armour is doing all the uniforms for the teams. Some teams might even get different uniforms from last year, so that's something that we could look at. Um, And I know a lot of people like that aspect of um, the springtime football is that the brands kind of tend to change and they'll listen to fans in that regard, like what looks bad, what looks good. But um, in terms of some player acquisitions, I got a couple of names I'd like to shout out there. Um, the Birmingham Stallions picked up defensive ends. Hercules Matafa, he played two years with the New Jersey Generals. He was very good for them. Um, the D.C. Defenders picked up Chauncey Rivers, a defensive end, played at Mississippi State. Um, Houston, uh, The Houston Roughnecks picked up Cam Carter, offensive tackle from Murray State. Uh, the Memphis Showboats picked up James uh, James. Tunstall, excuse me if I butchered your last name, my Ben, uh, but he's an offensive tackle from Cincinnati. Uh, not the Bengals, but the um, Cincinnati Bobcats, I believe. Uh, and then San Antonio picked up a couple guys, Kalichi A, and then Sam Tecklenburg. One's an inside linebacker from Incarnate Word, and the other is a center from Baylor. Um, I, will, I will say this about San Antonio. is They've made the biggest splash um, in terms of, you know, pre-training camp acquisitions. They've picked up a lot of guys, and Wade Phillips being the head coach there now, they did – get rid of Heinz Ward after his very subpar first season um, with San Antonio last year. But Wade Phillips is going to bring that energy and that um, he he wants those veteran guys. He wants those high IQ players. So I think San Antonio, uh, the Brahmas, are going to be a team to look out for. Um, A sleeper pick to represent the XFL Conference in the championship game, in my personal opinion. But the favored right now, uh, it's probably got to be hands down the D.C. defenders uh, in, throughout social media. You know, everyone's kind of getting the gist. Of, uh, you know, this team is ready to win now. Uh, Jordan Tamu coming back is the quarterback, one of the most esteemed springtime quarterbacks probably of all time. Very athletic guy, had no offers out of high school, played at Old Miss. But, um, you know, a guy that I believe could actually be a high-quality backup in the NFL He's getting up there in age, but genuinely, in terms of springtime ball, he does elevate the rosters around him. Uh, they brought in uh, – the, the defenders brought in wide receiver Kiki Kuti, played for the Houston Texans, actually played with Deshaun Watson. You know, despite what you think about the guy, you know, he actually played with a – what some would consider a high-value star. I don't know about now with the Browns, but that's neither here nor there. They're actually acquiring names, talent, and NFL, you know, names. And it's good. It's good. They're – 
the the quality and the you know the roster quality is definitely looking like it's going to be one of the you know one of the harder things to do is to make the final 50 obviously but each team having 75 guys going into training camp um it's it's going to be really hard to let some of these guys go regardless i mean everyone in my personal eyes is definitely a valuable asset but there's going to be those those cuts that will surprise us and some that won't but um in terms of the USFL conference i think the outright favorite is the Birmingham Stallions um, but a team that, you know, I'm looking at right now and I'm, I'm seeing some more faith as I, you know, look at the roster, seeing more videos come out of training camp is the Memphis Showboats. Case Cook is Troy Williams and Cole Kelly. That's a really good quarterback room. And then they also recently picked up running back Trey Williams, the guy that played two years with Darius Victor for the New Jersey Generals. They had probably the best rush attack two years in a row for the USFL. Um, but in my personal opinion, I, I think that maybe the Memphis Showboats could maybe upset the Stallions and maybe upset, uh, you know, what a lot of people think will be a three-peat from the Birmingham Stallions. But I still believe that it, it, I have to be shown that. You know, I'm not going to say that now and until I actually see it to believe it because the Stallions have been unbelievable, only losing three games in 22, I believe, games total. So definitely – no, actually 24 because 12 total weeks of football – uh, in the USFL season, so three games out of 24, so 21 and three. And that's pretty pretty impressive from Skip Holtz. So I did also want to mention that I was able to interview Joshua Simmons, all USFL kick returner, um, and, and we were able to talk to him. Caden and Brandon and I um, sat down with him, not in person, but over Zoom because he's in the Houston native. But we were able to talk to him, and he was a leading kickoff return yard leader uh, in 2023 for the Pittsburgh Maulers, a team that did make the championship game. Um, so I, we were able to talk to him. Just wanted to shout that out. If you guys want to go watch that on YouTube, it's uh, it's under Tea Time Reports. Just check that out for yourself. Oh, that's great. Roger. That's great. Uh, let me, uh, Trevor, let me ask you about uh, uh, Jerron uh, Vincent, Troy Vincent's son. Uh, I think uh, I mentioned uh, he was in San Antonio, wasn't he? And uh, I assume he's still there since they're in training camp. Uh, or was it Birmingham? Do you know offhand? Uh, what was his name? I'm sorry. T- yeah, Teron Vincent. He's the defensive tackle out of Ohio State. He's Troy Vincent. And he went son. through. He went on. He went through uh, high school here in, in uh, Brady yeah, the Brady Academy. Yeah, IMG Academy. That's where he went to high school. Yeah. I'm not sure by off the top of my head because I do know that um, the San Antonio Brahmas did actually release about 20 guys off their roster. So I don't know by chance, but um, there's a good chance that, you know, he did make, you know, training camp. Um, a lot of those guys were protected under contract and stuff like that. But, um, now San Antonio is definitely going to be a really fun team to watch, obviously, with NFL caliber coaching as well as the fact that they did upgrade their quarterback room. Uh, we talked about Joe Flacco's little brother, Tom Flacco. So that's going to be something interesting to watch. Yeah, he's Roger, where does his dad, where is his dad uh, staying now in the National Football League? His father's the executive VP of operations for the NFL. That's what I thought. Yeah, that's yeah, what I thought. And, and he, uh, he was with the, uh, the Rams uh, last year, and then he was with the uh, Houston Roughnecks, but he is with the San Antonio Brahmas. So that's, that answers that question. 
Go to it, Roger. Yes, six one three oh five defensive tackle out of the IMG Academy in Ohio State. So uh, and you and you, uh, Trevor, from you are very high on uh, the promise, right? Yeah, they had a they had a really horrible season last year, and it was mainly because of coaching and quarterback play with Jack Cohn. Uh, if you're a Notre Dame fan, I'm sure you know the name, but he is not a good quarterback. Uh, they struggled with that, and they struggled with pretty much every facet of the game, to tell you the truth. But now with the revamped coach who brought in an entire pretty much new roster, it's going to pretty much change how I think about the Brahmas because I, the UFL needs San Antonio to have a good football team. I'm not saying it's rigged or forced, but that's the reason they got Heinz Ward out of there. They replaced him with someone – that's more experienced in this matter. Heinz Ward's a great guy, a, a great player in the league, but Wade Phillips has so much more experience on managing a team, uh, and it, it'll automatically come with more success. I think they're going to be a team that's going to definitely at least push to make the playoffs. But w- with what we saw out of Arlington making the playoffs at 4-6 and six last year in the XFL season and winning the championship game, I just don't know, and I'm not counting out the D.C. defenders. So the San Antonio Brahmas definitely have a fight ahead of them, but I can definitely see them maybe being that sleeper pick for people out there. If you're betting, if you're, you know, just trying to find a team to enjoy and watch, they're definitely going to be one of the underdog stories of the season. But I, I did, you know, say this on my Twitter and I'm like, you know what I do. I I, I was like, you know, a bold take the Brahmas are going to the championship game. I I could see it happening. I I really could. I mean, they've revamped literally everything about the team. So it's one of those things where they could, you know, completely pull a 180 and get to the championship game. Trevor, two quick questions. One, uh, when's the first kickoff? And uh, how many games are they going uh, to be like two games on Sunday or two, one game on Saturday, two games on Sunday? What's the TV schedule going to be like? Well, it's looking like it's going to be two games on Saturday, two games on Sunday, uh, just like typically the USFL and XFL did last season. Um but it's also looking like it's going to be a 10-game regular season, as both leagues did last year with the two weeks of postseason. Obviously, it's broken down at the conference, the USFL conference now, and the XFL conference. Um, all the former XFL teams are going to be in the XFL conference. All the former USFL teams are going to be in the USFL conference. You're wondering why the Houston Roughnecks are in there, it's because the Houston Gamblers from the USFL were completely rebranded as the Roughnecks, but with the same roster and coaching staff. So none of those people had to, you know, relocate, look for a new job, or try and get signed in free agency. It's literally the Gamblers, but with the Roughnecks uniforms. Um, And like I said, they're all kind of going towards that Under Armour, you know, similarity, which I enjoy. I think it's going to look good. And we might see some throwbacks of the old Memphis Showboats uniforms or maybe the old Stallions uniforms. I'm liking where it's going in the creative area of the league. Um, but I, I still got to say in terms of, you know, who do I think is going to be in the championship game, my realism is kicking in, and I'm going to say the D.C. Defenders and Birmingham Stallions. But in a different reality, I'm going to go the Memphis Showboats and the San Antonio Brahmas. All right, my boy, Trevor, thank you very, very much. Always a pleasure, and you're the only one we know that can keep us up to date on what's happening <laughs> in the USFL. He's the so we, we, no doubt about it. That's a, he's a Brett Musburger of the USFL. All right, my boy, <laughs> we'll, we'll talk to you next week.
Take care, guys. Take care, Trevor. Good talking to you. Great job. Mike Zimzak's next, and uh, Mike, uh, a lot of soccer talk right there, but a lot of the news down in the Washington area where you are, uh, between you and, and uh, Doug Hamilton in Baltimore, we can pretty much cover Washington and Baltimore throughout. We just had a, a, a conversation with a good friend of mine, Bill Warndell. I'm high on a quarterback for, for the commanders, but uh, he is not. Have you got a thought before we go to soccer and some of the other things you're down there you see him play all the time? Uh, any any thoughts on the quarterback? Or do they have to go out and get a quarterback? My guess would be that they're going to get a quarterback. I think the question is, uh, are they going to take one with the second pick, or are they going to uh, see about trading back in the uh, draft and picking up one a little bit later? But the uh, Adam Peters um, – the GM was doing some press availability, and he basically said the quiet part out loud and said that the uh, commanders are going to be in the market for a new QB. Um, they have the second pick in the draft. Presumably, the uh, Chicago Bears will take Caleb Williams. It is worth noting Caleb Williams is a local D.C. kid. Um, he went to uh, Our Lady of Council. He's a local boy, uh, grew up here, played his high school ball here, so coming back home would be enticing to him. He's mentioned that in passing before. Um, But if he goes to Chicago like everybody else, like most people forecast with the number one pick, that leaves the uh, commanders with likely choosing between Jaden Daniels and Drake May. Um, Now, one of the interesting things dealing with Drake May is that he and Sam Howell, the incumbent quarterback for the Washington Commanders, are really, 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 really good friends. Um, Drake May came to UNC and was there for Sam Howell's last season during some of his pre-draft interviews uh, for the media, was talking about how, you know, they talk pretty much weekly. Um, He was just – Sam Howell just went up for the UNC-Duke basketball game. The two of them were out playing golf. So Drake May comes in ostensibly to take Sam Howell's job. That's going to be real awkward. If Drake May comes in, takes the job as the starter, and then uh, has to be benched because, you know, he would be a rookie and that's not unheard of, and Sam Howell had to go in, that would be really awkward. Uh, I kind of get the feeling that if the option were to take Drake May, uh, they might move along from Sam Howell. They, it's been put out through various sources that they may have had something as high as a um, third-round pick from the Jets already offered for Sam Howell. And I feel like if they got such an offer uh, before the draft, in the immediate, uh, closer to the draft, I would have to feel like they would take it. Um, getting a third-round pick for Sam Howell, who was a fifth-round pick, who led the league in interceptions and at times – didn't have the uh, look of a, of a serviceable NFL starter. He holds the ball really, really long. Um, he takes a lot of sacks. There were a lot of turnovers. Now, Eric Bieniemy was dropping him back 40, 50 times a game, which as a first-year starter isn't exactly the greatest thing to do. But he just looked overwhelmed. I would say the two best games that he had all season might have been the only two that you saw him in. And those were the two games against the uh, 
Philadelphia Eagles. And by the end of the season, we kind of saw what the Eagles defense and especially the Eagles secondary look like. So I don't know how much you actually want to take from those two games. But um, I would have to agree with Billy. I'm not real big on him, and I also don't think that the commanders are particularly big on him. Well, there you go. Roger, you're up. Yeah. Well, the, the, uh, I was thinking is possibly the commanders and the Bears could flip, and then they, uh, the Bears would get a, uh, an additional draft pick, uh, something like that, so that uh, they would make sure that uh, they would get the uh, local guy, because I'm big on that. I think that would uh, really uh, solidify uh, the n- new ownership and uh, – and get the uh, the number one quarterback in the uh, the draft, but you know it, there's a lot of speculation now. I don't see why the Jets would make that move. Uh, I mean, if they're getting a uh, a top notch quarterback, that's one thing, but they're not. And uh, you know, give up a third round, they maybe they see something, and uh, a Joe Douglas, the GM, sees something that uh, nobody else does. Let me ask you a question. I was talking about uh, this with a couple of uh, football coaches, friends uh, that I have here the other day. What do you uh, think the story is about Eric Bieniemy? Okay, he didn't get a head coaching job last year. He's now the OC uh, at uh, UCLA. I mean, it's obviously his stock, Mike, is going down. He did not have a particularly good season with the commanders. Yes, the offense looks serviceable when the for like three quarters, maybe two halves of two separate games when Jaylen, um when Jacoby Brissett was in. But otherwise, again, outside of those two games against the Eagles, the offense didn't look particularly good. You have Terry McLaurin, who has been to multiple Pro Bowls and couldn't catch a touchdown. Uh, Jahan Dotson, who looked like he was going to progress and then kind of took a step back because he, um, he couldn't catch passes. They have a running back in Brian Robinson, Jr., who they're very, very, very big on, who was getting no carries. Um, it was just very, very confusing, some of the decision-making, like I said, dropping back Sam Howell so often. Now, I know that they were chasing a lot of games, but even when you're chasing and you're not down that big, sometimes you just got to stick with what works, and they never figured that out. So on the field, uh, it didn't look particularly good, and this was supposed to be the big break. You know, he was in charge of the offense. He was going to be the man. There could be no questions about who called the plays, who installed the offense, what was going on. And Out of the Andy, product, outside of Andy Reid's shadow. Exactly yeah. right. You're right. And the product didn't look great. And then there was a, the off-the-field stuff, well, not off-the-field stuff, but off the, after stuff, you know, with the players questioning his use of their time, how efficiently they practiced, questioning how he talked to them. There were a lot of guys who felt like he was just not the right coach. Like, he is probably a really tough guy. He's very hard. 
He's a yeller. He's a drill sergeant type. But with that, has, you have to be able to understand, you know, what the players need. Not everybody responds to that sort of authority particularly well. And they were coming from an environment where that didn't necessarily happen. You know, there could be something to be said for the fact that maybe they needed that. But um, the players just really did not mesh well with the enemy. And you even heard Ron talk about that in the preseason, which at the time seemed a little bit like weird for him to be commenting on how the guy that he just brought in coached, but it might have been a little prescient for him to say, even at that time, sending a message to Eric, like, you got to back off a little bit. You're not with the Chiefs. You got to change your, 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 your tactics a little bit. And it seemed like, you know, Eric got a little bit more defensive. So I get the feeling that it just more than we've heard, you know, how for many, so many years we've heard the narrative that he never called his plays. Yeah. That he never called his own place. And that was the reason why he got a job. I'm getting the feeling more and more and more and more that, you know, when he went into the locker room and, and sort of the conversations that went on behind the scenes when it came to interviewing and hiring him were not always positive, that he may not have been the best interviewer. And the organizations that were looking at him were kind of like reticent to hire him because – he was such a, you know, such a hard guy. Authoritarian. And yes, he's authoritarian. And not to – this matters. He's a little guy too. So there's this sense that there's a little bit of little man syndrome in there. And that may have <laughs> been more of it. And, and the window dressing was the way to make it sound palatable was, well, he didn't call his own place. That's why we didn't hire him. And they didn't want to say um, that part out loud, like, yo, look, he's a bit of an a-hole. And we're not sure that that's the um, type of personality that we want on our coaching staff. Yeah. Well, before we run out of time in this segment, let's get to your bailiwick, because we haven't had a chance the last couple of weeks to even talk about soccer. We've been so busy with so many other uh, sports and things that are happening Uh MLS, uh, anything, anything you want to talk about about MLS or well, some of the other things? Let's talk about um, the fact that the MLS season started uh, last weekend. Uh, it was a pretty early start for the season. Um, they've also got teams playing in the uh, Champions Cup, um, which is the regional tournament for the countries of North, South, North and Central America and the Caribbean. Uh, the Philadelphia Union had FC Cincinnati. That ended up being a 2-2 draw. Uh, last night, they had Saprisa, which is a Central American team, and that ended up being a 3-3 draw, but they will advance. So they are off to uh, a pretty solid start. Up and down the league, uh, we saw, you know, teams – getting in an abbreviated preseason uh, and an early start to the season. So it's going to be a while. The uh, transfer window isn't 100% closed yet, so we may still see some new signings. Because as of right now, there really haven't been um, many big-name signings outside of Luis Suarez uh, going to play with his uh, brother-in-law in Lionel Messi. 
Um, oh, the two New York teams play this weekend. Don't they one, one on the West Coast yes, and one? Yes. Go ahead. And that'll be, you know, the uh, New York Derby is always an interesting game. Um, it's a little interesting that they have it this early in the season. I think that you might want to let them get a little bit uh, deeper into the season. Um, but I get the feeling that the MLS is thinking that they have – this is one of the good weeks to do some of their showcase games because we're not in NCAA tournament time yet. We're not in um, NHL and um, NBA playoff time yet. And there is no football and there's no baseball. So they really kind of have a pretty decent weekend. We're not even really at college basketball, NCAA basketball. Um, it's the last regular season game but we're not into the conference tournament. So it's a pretty good right. time to have some of these marquee matchups. I think throughout the yeah, they got, they got an open window, so this is the time to take advantage of it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and there's more international windows this week, this year because of the um, Copa America <laughs> being held here. Um, MLS is going to have to take off for pretty much a month to uh, accommodate the international window. Uh, so we're going to have a pretty big break part of the reason why we're starting so early in the season. Um, I think that most of the storylines going through the MLS season, uh, all the headlines and all the attention is going to be focused down in um, Miami. Anything short of basically a clean sweep of all the trophies for Inter-Miami will be seen as a failure when you think about the star power on their roster. That said, I wouldn't be surprised if there are times where Inter-Miami struggles. Um, Lionel Messi's carrying a chronic knee injury. I don't think that he's going to be able to play every um, match. I don't think that he's going to be able to play close to every match. And I think that you're going to see some stretches where he doesn't play because um, he, he's, going to be, he's going to have to take care of his knee. Uh, Luis Suarez is in his 30s, Jordi Alba's in his late 30s, um, Sergio Busquets is in his late 30s, and all of them have lost a certain amount of mobility. Um, So while it looks like a great roster of names on paper, it looks like a great roster that you would want to go see if this was circa 2014 when they all played together in Barcelona, not necessarily uh, 2024 when they're all playing (laughs) in Miami. Right, and right. Roger, and a last, lot, a lot last older. question, Roger. Lot. Yep, they're a lot older. Uh, you know, I wanted to ask you, uh, uh, well, uh, actually, I wanted that Don in there, too, because uh, he's, um, you know, has the, uh, gets, checks the post out every day. The Big East tournament's the week after next, isn't it, Don? Yeah, that's what I thought. Not next week, the following week. No, 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 and, not next week. It's still over a week to go. Yeah, that's what I thought. And... Uh, the, I think you're right, Mike. You know, with the uh, t- uh, conference championships uh, uh, c- coming up, I mean, the best thing they could do is get that early start, get a couple of uh, games on TV or four games, uh, eight games on TV, and then uh, not have to worry about uh, the conflict with uh, – because Fox is going to have a lot, uh, you know, and, and so are the other uh, uh, networks. So uh, it's going to be – March Madness coming up. They were fortunate that the weather throughout the most of the country has been kind to them this mm-hmm. week and uh, last week and this week. Insofar as it wasn't, you know, this wasn't a bad weekend 
here in the Northeast, uh, throughout much of the country, it wasn't necessarily a bad weekend. In fact, it was an above-average weekend. Uh, I can tell you from experience, going to a union game in cold weather right after it snows and you're outdoors is not a pleasant experience. <laughs> when that wind gets to whipping in off the, uh, off the river and you're out there and it's in the 20s, it's not a pleasant experience. And when people ask us why we don't play a standard European schedule from that lasts from August till May, it's because we have a country where it gets cold, <clears throat> and it gets cold for a lot of months and windy. in between October and windy. And it gets cold for a lot of months in between October and May. It's going to be 20 today. It's going to be 20 today in New Jersey, Mike. Is it yeah, really 20? Is, I'm wow. just saying, you want to know why we don't do it? It's because it gets cold here. And it gets really, really, really flipping cold in some of these cities you got that up right. here. Yeah. And All right, so but boy, we got to call. We got to call the segment in this. Uh, we got to call this segment uh, to an end. And uh, Mike will get do it again next week and have some new stuff have on a great the week. MLS and all the other things that are happening in the world of soccer. All right, gentlemen. Talk, great to talk to you as always. Take I'll care, Mike. Have week. a great week. Take well, care. Well, Doug Hamilton up next, our PGA professional. Before we uh, talk about golf, uh, we got to talk a little bit about uh, the only team. And football doesn't have to worry about a quarterback. We've been talking about quarterbacks all night tonight on all different teams. But there's one quarterback we don't have to worry about because Jackson's the MVP, and he's going to be in Baltimore for a long time. Doug, you don't have to worry about anything in the football range. Doug? Hello? Doug? Don? I think we... I'm waiting for Doug. I don't. I don't hear anything yet. No, I don't either. Our executive Rooster is probably working on it very quickly to he, get us yeah, all yeah, fucked he up. He was there. He was there, and something must have happened because he just uh, it popped off. Let me get him back on. Okay. Yeah, I hope he didn't have an emergency. The, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. The I, I that uh, I had no idea it was uh, going to be 20 in New Jersey tonight. I'll tell you because. It was 50 here, but when I came out of school, we had just had rain, and we had rain overnight, and it, it was uh, 50, as I said. But I got to tell you, it was a very cold 50 <laughs> with the wind. Well, my son told yeah. me at about 5 o'clock, he said it was uh, almost 60 degrees yesterday in New Jersey, but he said it's going down into the 20s tonight. So oh, oh. he wasn't... He wasn't too happy about that. <laughs> no, not not any fun. No, no, no. We've, well, we've, we'll see, we've we'll see if we can get Doug back on and give a couple of these we could touch on, Roger. Uh, one I thought which was very, very interesting this week, uh, the uh, PGA Tour is now using a different formula uh, during their television broadcasts. And uh, they are now using uh, players that are actually uh, either uh, associated with the tour um, I don't have the sheet right in front of me now, I had, but uh, no, I heard uh, I heard exactly what you're alluding to. I heard that uh, the other day, and they said, yeah. "What a great, what a great uh, novelty, uh, uh, or what a great increase in uh, information and uh, fluidity, and how much better the last two weeks have been." And now the uh, this week is going to be the director of the Ryder Cup going to be Call the back. analyst this week. Is Doug on there now? Sounds like yeah, Doug's there. Okay, yeah. 
Doug, I, I don't know whether you thought it, whether you saw that or not. The change in the analysts on the uh, PGA Tour started really two weeks ago, and uh, what a great success it has been, according to the radio and TV people. Have you uh, heard anything about that? Uh, actually, no. I've been uh, you know pretty busy here, you know, at the house trying to uh, work through some different uh, PGA stuff on my own, sitting in front of my computer and. Um, I was telling Frank when he patched me in, I, I found a, an indoor place and, uh, I've been teaching part-time there, uh, during the winter. Uh, it's, it's a, uh, warehouse, if you will, of a bunch of different simulators and, um, you know, I've given, let's see, I, I teach three days a week. So it's been month of February. So that's what 12, I think I've given 16 lessons in, in 12 days, um, you know, which is, which has been nice. I didn't have that opportunity last year. Um, so it should, you know, make a nice transition from outdoors to indoors. Um, I guess technically our season starts March 10th and then we'll see what, what, what the weather does from there. Well, they say they got a lot of big tournaments coming up and they were very, very uh, optimistic about this change in format. Uh, Mickelson's former caddy for so many years was the guest last week. Now, he's been doing it off and on, I think, for either two or three years. I'm not sure whether it's two Mm -hmm. or three. But ever since he left Mickelson, I think he's been working part-time for the networks. But they were very enthused about the way Mm -hmm. he approached the uh, day in and day out over the weekend. So uh, it's nice to hear when some of these guys get some very positive reaction rather than being negative all the time. Sure. Um, You know, I think. You know, once we get the season going here, I mean, everybody um, likes to kick off in, in Hawaii and, and all the different stuff. And then, you know, I think it gets gets everybody into that kind of golfing mood when you see people playing golf in, in warm weather and, um, you know, moving forward into the changes they made in the tournament season with, with a, a decent-sized tournament in, in March, the players, and, and then moving forward from there. So, um, you know, I don't really get too amped up about, you know, the beforehand stuff, once we get into the majors, then I think it starts to get a little fun at that point um, in terms of watching golf. Um, but to be honest with you, you know, I, we've been uh, – my my son played his first uh, season of basketball, and he's just finished up, and he's geeked up about watching, you know, basketball every now and again, even though the Wizards are terrible. We watched one of their <laughs> games the other night. Um I mean, they're awful, and uh, we watch a good bit of hockey here uh, during this time of year. Um, you know, obviously, I'm excited about the Orioles. I'm such a dork that, like, I follow their, their spring training, uh, you know, games. Uh, they though, scored 12 runs today. Yeah, didn't they? Oh, well, the good news is <laughs> that um, the starter for the Twins, and again, it's only spring training. A lot of these guys are just, you know, starting to, to throw some live stuff and, and stretch it out a little bit. But Pop Lopez is pretty big time pitcher that they traded, you know, some good stuff for, and, and he didn't particularly pitch well last year, but um, you know, the twins being a smaller market team have found ways to, um, you know, get some good players in there. And, and he's, he's one of them. I'm, I'm excited though. Um, you know, there's been a lot of discussion about, um, you know, Kyle Bradish having his, his UCL issue sprain or, or whatever you call it, um, as well as John Means being behind schedule with his throwing program. So their uh, starting rotation looks a little thinner than they had hoped it would look. Um, but some of the offenses, uh, Jackson Holiday uh, got his first hit the other day, yesterday I believe it was. Uh, Kobe Mayo was a, 
a rising prospect, uh, top 30 guy of, of the 100, um, has gotten off to a really good start. Uh, so it's it's been exciting for me to, to watch and pay attention to what I can, um, you know, in terms of, of where they're going. Um, you know, hopefully we can build on a 100-and-win season uh, from last year and, and see what happens there. Roger? Well, I was just going to say, uh, I think the Orioles uh, will. I wanted to get back to golf because uh, I know the uh, the Liv and, and the PGA uh, still just can't finalize a, uh, a decent agreement. Uh, what mm-hmm. what are the two of you think about this? Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't really – I don't know. I mean, that's a great question. I think that, you know, I think a lot of this is probably going to have to be litigated in a courtroom. Um, you know, there's a lot of money at stake here. There's a lot of things going on that, as you mentioned, they just can't get on the same page. And whether that had anything to do with the, the Saudi-backed money and, and they didn't like where that was coming from or, um, you know, Liv and, and PGA Tour are obviously two different entities that play by different rules and different formats and different all kinds of stuff. So I don't know if that's a sticking point. Uh, it could be, you know, the good old boys club of the PGA that just, kind of want to be the, the dominant, you know, dog on the block that gets to pee on the fire, fire hydrant they want to and, and don't want that other thing to happen. So I don't know. Um, there's a lot going on there. Well, there was an apology from Rory, which uh, was a little bit surprising to me. He came out so strongly against the fact that moving away from the PGA and uh, even though his good friend <clears throat> is the leader of the, of the Leaf uh, tournament, uh, now he sort of amended his comments a little bit this week. And uh, mm-hmm. uh, I, I agree with you. I think it's going to be a long time because I think it's going to be a lot of court action before this thing actually gets settled, where the courts are going to even allow them to merge. Mm-hmm. So we'll have to wait and see on that. Let me ask you another question. Go back to football for a minute, Doug. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Uh, we have a big difference of opinion on the show tonight, Billy Werndell. Uh, <laughs> I, I, sort of, I sort of put forth that I think the quarterback at Washington is has the qualities to be a, a, a mainstream quarterback in the National Football League. Now, you're in Baltimore, Washington. You see your team play quite a bit, the Ravens, mm-hmm. but you also see Washington play quite a bit. Uh, some yeah. of your thoughts on Hal. What do you think about him? Well, I mean, I think I think um, we're talking about what, Sam Hal? Hal. Hal. Yeah, Sam yeah. <laughs> Well, I mean, look, at the end of the day, I mean, I think I don't know the statistics in front of me, but I'm going to guess that he was one of the most sacked quarterbacks in the NFL, or, or let's just overarch it with he was one of the most pressured quarterbacks. Um, you know, he didn't have a, an outstanding offensive line. He didn't really have a super strong running game. They, you know, Rivera was a defensive-minded football coach, and their defense was pretty good. But outside of Terry McLaurin, they didn't have a whole hell of a lot to throw the ball to, nor did he have a lot of time to throw it. Um, he spent a lot right. of time running for his, his life, and he threw a lot of interceptions. and. Um, at one point in time, I know that I'm a fantasy football nerd uh, that plays in a league. And at one point in time, I think statistically Sam Howell was probably a top 10 quarterback in fantasy football league, you know, based on his statistics of yards and touchdowns and those sorts of things. Um, it's always the hallmark question that, that a front office or GM has to ask is, is, you know, you, you need a quarterback to win in the national football league. Is this guy our guy? Because now you're sitting there with the second overall pick. And, you know, you, as you mentioned, Roger, I had heard you say, do you want to move up one pick and what's that going to cost? Uh, yeah. I remember they traded, um, they traded Montez Sweat and they traded Rice 
and got an additional second and third round picks for them. Um, you know, how are you going to, you know, build your, your football team? Because even if you sit there at two, there's another uh, North Carolina quarterback, uh, Drake May, I think his name is, who's available. Um, do you like him? Do you like Jaden Daniels? Um, you know, does, does uh, Chicago keep Justin Fields and, and do something else? Uh, do they trade the pick? That's what I, um, I think you get screwed up. I mean, look at what Washington got to be. What, excuse me, what the Chicago Bears have done over the last five years. I mean, you can't be that bad. I mean, you no, and I right. could have come off the street and picked out players that wound up better than what they did. Well, I mean, look, if you're the Redskins and you're dead set on getting a new quarterback, I mean, what would you give up for Justin Fields? You know, you want to give up a second-round pick for him and keep your number two pick, and, you know, maybe you take uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. Maybe you take – I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of options there, and, you know, this whole um, scouting combine thing, you, you, you pit, you know, all these front office people, GMs, and uh, all these people in one building, and you're going to start having discussions about what's going to happen come draft time, right? So, um, yeah. you know, those those cards are going to have to be played at a later date. You know, you well, have... unfortunately, uh, unfortunately, the left tackle is not the uh, not the strong suit this year. I think there are only two no. or three that they really consider to be top-notch prospects, and <clears throat> so. But to me, I want to I want to work on left tackle. I want to work on the offensive line, and I want a pass rusher. I, I'm, I'm, this stuff of picking quarterbacks every time you turn around in the first three picks or first five picks. How many of them actually make it? How many of them actually do what they think they're going to do? I mean, it takes. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I'd go the other way myself. I like linemen and rush pass rushers, and uh, that, that's where I want to And look. linebackers. And linebackers. Yeah, I mean, you have the, the speedy, speedy tackling linebackers. Right. Well, the, the draft as it, as it is shaped right now, from what I've heard from different draft gurus, is it's very deep in offensive linemen. Um, there's some good pass rushers, some good corners, D linemen, those sorts of things. It's not very deep. Uh, in running backs, that's a fact. Uh, once you get past the top, you know, what, three or so, four quarterbacks. Uh, I mean, do I, I mean, J.J. McCarthy, um, I think he throws a nice football, strong arm. Um, you know, I think some team, obviously being a needy team, is going to reach for him. Um, you know, and that's what happens, uh, like the Patriots did for, uh, for Mac Jones. I mean, that was a reach. Um, you know, and you're going to have a lot of this because it's a quarterback-driven league. And to your point, you know, Don, I think you do build your team offensively and defensively with uh, those lines. Um, you know, the Redskins have a, a pretty solid defensive line. I mean, uh, they could use some other things, um, you know, the back end of their defense with corners and safeties. Um, pass rushers, there's a lot of good ones in there. Um, right. Yeah. Could you trade back Roger? to two and, you know, get some more stuff there? Um, they have – some surplus of picks, so we'll see. I mean, I don't know how they want to build their team with a new front office. Yeah, I think it's uh, – we we just got – Doug, are you there? Or we get cut yeah, off? No, oh, I'm okay. Here. Yeah, the uh, – well, I, I know that that is deep in uh, uh, in linebackers, and, that, and it's the draft or the um, free agent market, as uh, Bill said, uh, was is very deep in running backs. Well, I don't think it's too deep in running backs. Uh, no, at the, you uh, won't even see a running draft. back drafted in the first round. Yeah, right. That's exactly right. So, so I don't know whether, because uh, we're after 9 o'clock, I didn't know whether it was TikTok or not. Mm-hmm. 
I haven't heard anything from Rank. Well, getting close. Yeah, I extended, I extended five minutes because Doug uh, had uh, oh, a little great. trouble getting okay. it. Oh, so great. Okay, great. Yeah. Okay. Well, <laughs> Doug, what do they say in Baltimore about the uh, – because uh, they, you know, they're low uh, in the first mm-hmm. round and all the rounds. Uh, yeah. Any consensus on who they might go after? Yeah, they always build a solid draft board, and they, they like to look um, under every rock and crevice they can find to, to get some of these, you know, different people. They really scour the market with undrafted free agents um, and build their list yeah. as such. Um, you know, I think I wouldn't be surprised to see the Ravens at pick number 30 trade back, get additional picks, and then still maintain some level of value. They have Eric DeCosta loves draft picks. Uh, they love those compensatory picks uh, when people walk, and I think you're going to see uh, somewhat of an overhaul this year uh, on their offensive line. I think Justin Matabike is going to land a fairly big contract. Hopefully they can figure out a way to pay him. They only have two running backs in the running back room. That's a problem. They were discussion that all these good running backs that they may be able to get a Derrick Henry or Josh Jacobs or Saquon Barkley. I don't know which way they're going to go. I mean, they need receivers. <laughs> so there's, there's a lot there. Let's uh, switch. Uh, we haven't had a chance to talk about this. I wanted to do, we didn't have time, but now we're doing a little extra time from uh, Frank. Uh, what do you think about the football basketball programs now at the college level with everybody jumping? I mean, uh, you look at the coaches now that have stepped back. Yeah. I mean, Kelly really surprised well, me leaving LSU after they that big contract for big money mm-hmm. and, and saying, look, I'm going to be a defensive coordinator. I mean, back at the college level because – I'm not going to stand for some kid coming in said I want a hundred thousand dollars. Those are going to spend playing on your team. I mean, this, well, this is college, getting really crazy. College sports thereafter will be forever ruined by the NIL money that's either present or not present because of the right. concepts of, of building these programs as such. The transfer portal, um, although I think is is a good thing, also adds an awful lot of chaos to uh, these guys recruiting and trying to build their rosters as such. Um, <laughs> But it's doesn't the Congress concept. have to step in and make some changes here to support support the colleges? Well, I sure. I don't know what the regulation, you know, I mean, they regulate everything else. I don't know what that period is for them. But, um, you know, you look at a team like Maryland who can't pay the money for NIL. Well, how are they going to build a program if, you know, it's like saying the Yankees can spend as much money as they want, but the Orioles can't, you know. So how is that fair for these programs to build their, their teams and be able to compete? Right. So, Roger? Well, I just, uh, you know, my feelings about this, they've, they've got to do something. And because you just can't allow this uh, uh, portal business to be every year, you know, where every year well, the, the guy's going to pick up more money and, uh, and, and you don't know who you're, who you're going to have on your roster, period. Yeah, the portal... And, uh, the portal needs to be justified in terms of the time frame that you can and can't transfer because it doesn't coincide with recruiting the recruiting right. period as That's well. Exactly right. So a guy yeah. transfers after, you know, your recruiting season's over, and you're like, oh crap, I just lost five more people, so now I got to do what? Yeah. Well, go back to the yeah. portal. You know, so it's it all it And also, Doug, you got to remember one thing that your your coach is standing there, and uh, the kid that you're recruiting, let's say uh, a, a, a quarterback at Alabama. And he's got a contract for five hundred thousand dollars before he even decides right. where he's going to go with the bonus money. I mean, the kid with, sure. the, with the boosters. I mean, how can you combat that? I mean, well, that's why you know, Saban left. He, he, he absolutely, that's why he left. Continue on absolutely. with this uh, nonsense. 
for sure. That's not the way he ran his programs. It's a different world. Yeah, you'll you'll need a capologist for for uh, college sports next, just like you yeah, have. Yeah, that's NFL. right. Yeah, <laughs> and the next thing it'll be down to high schools. How mm. much you're going to play? Uh, because I know <laughs> at, at some high schools at Flowery Branch they used to have uh, families moving. Uh, because Lee Shaw was such a great uh, quarterback uh, developer uh, that uh, they would move from uh, out of town uh, to the area so that the uh, son could play for uh, Lee Shaw at Flowery mm-hmm. Branch High School. Father well, here now in Florida, you can you don't you, you could go from one high school to another in Florida now. You don't have to. Uh, you don't even have to live in the district. I mean, you can go if you want to go to another school. You can do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, see, that's a problem to me. That's another problem, okay? I mean, it's one thing if your parents are going to move, but what, what, do you, what does this kid do if he goes from uh, Tallahassee to Miami or vice versa? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, right. you don't know what he's going to get in, involved in, who he's going to be with, uh, you know, mm-hmm. is it uh, uh, relatives? Uh, who? I, it, it, there's uh, just so much. It's a mess. It's a mess, mm. mess, mess. Yes. A tangled web. Well, that's why yeah, I asked Doug, because he's in a little different area. Being down there in the Baltimore, Washington area, we only see it, you know, from from the Florida standpoint. And, of course, in Sarasota, all we talk about here is Florida State and Florida and where they stand and they're coaching uh, sporting, uh, the, not sporting, the USA Today uh, made mm-hmm. uh, Florida State. It was in the paper today. Announced what the new contract was for the Florida State coach, and it's ten million, ten million, ten million the first three years, mm-hmm. and then the fourth year it goes up. Now, wow. You know that's a lot of money. <laughs> I mean, well, yeah, I'd like to sign a five-year contract and guaranteed money and get hacked after two, and then just ride off into the sunset. I could be crummy for two years and leave. And, and that's exactly what... for a million. Yeah. <laughs> well, I haven't I mean, seen any. I haven't seen any uh, newspaper articles or so forth about what Kelly walked away from at LSU, but it had to be a, I think it was like a nine-year contract that he signed when he left Notre Dame, eight or nine years. Mm -hmm. And I don't know what the total number of dollars was. Maybe it wasn't even announced. But my feeling is he walked away from an awful lot of money to go back Mm -hmm. to the college ranch. I I may be wrong, but I'm waiting to see. Uh, They made them announce, as they say, USA Today made them announce what the deal was with Florida State today it was in the paper. So I'm assuming mm-hmm. that they're going to do the same thing with LSU and say, hey, how much How much did he walk away from here? Walk away from Yeah. Don Kelly was getting $9 million a year plus at LSU. He was getting $9 million a year. $9 million a year, and, yeah. And he right, walked but away. I, do you remember how long it was, Frank? I don't remember. Yeah, he had a nine-year, he had a 10-year contract with him. He had it was nine million dollars, and then it would it went up uh, exponentially over the next uh, five years. But he got uh, additional money for getting uh, the postseason and anything he won after that. He got more money. Hmm. Wow, that's a lot of money to walk away ran, from. I mean, let's say let's say he made yeah. a settlement, and they they paid him off. <laughs> I, I don't I haven't seen any numbers for Kelly yet. I'm, I've been watching every day in the paper. To see what it is, because yeah. it's got. I mean, when he left Notre Dame, I mean, he had a solid job there for a lifetime. If you mm-hmm. want to say, but with the yeah. LSU yeah. for the big money, and now he lasts two years. 
And, of course, he finished yep. up right here uh, in, in uh, Tampa, his last game. Yeah, he fouled, uh, he fouled up with the uh, Alumni Association and the big donors uh, by not winning the uh, the uh, uh, season end, uh, season ending as, as it did, not getting into any postseason bowls other than uh, mm. a cheap one. And uh, right. so mm-hmm. they decided they should part uh, immediately, part or mm. uh, part uh, ways. That's rough, rough sledding there. Well, yeah. well then you, yeah. what I said about Eric Bieniemy, you know, leaving the pros and going to UCLA as the offensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. Well, he's, he's got a mortgage too, you know. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I don't think you have too big a mortgage when you're making ten million a year. <laughs> no, no. Well, it's, 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 you know, you just to follow quick. up, yeah, follow up, uh, Don, on uh, the weather up uh, north. I just got a bulletin uh, from Channel 69 that uh, major powder uh, power outages uh, in that area uh, up in northern north uh, of Philadelphia, uh, up into uh, the lower Lehigh Valley. Oh, Are you getting here. hit I mean, bad, Doug? Are you get, getting it bad? It's get out. It, it is whipping. I mean, it is windy. It's gusty. Yeah. Frank, as long as we have uh, you on here, let, let's add the <coughs> Sweet for that one. Okay, Frank, our executive producer, we'll throw it back to you. Doug, thank you very much for staying yeah. the extra time. Roger, Appreciate always a pleasure. We'll get together uh, next okay. week at uh, 7 o'clock. Have, God bless. Have a great week. I want to thank everybody for coming on tonight. Uh, it was great, a great show. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, these programs are brought to you each and every night of the week in grateful appreciation to the men and women of the United States Armed Forces, men and women patient fire services. When you're out there and you see somebody in uniform, please make sure you let them know that you know they're there. Uh, for the, everyone else, uh, have a great day. Uh, we love you, Bob, and we miss you. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC. Member SIPC. 